What's up, everybody? It's Chris, uh, back with episode five. Thank you for everybody who reached out and gave me feedback. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everyone who listened. Um, that's also appreciated. Um, let's dive into what has been a hectic weekend since, or a week, I should say, since we last spoke. Um, that includes multiple head coaching hires, a lawsuit, a um, couple signings, a couple trades, and a little bit more news uh, in sports. And we'll start with the head coaching hires. Um, the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, which is, um, kind of a weird hire. We'll see how that goes. You know, um, the guy's kind of not so known, uh, I guess, you know, I haven't really heard of him. That doesn't mean that you haven't, um, we'll go to the, te- the Texans today who signed, uh, Lovey Smith, which he's been a, a head coach in the past. Um, but hasn't really done too much besides the, you know, revamping the Bears franchise for a little bit. Um, I think he was the Bucks head coach too, but again, didn't do too much with them. Um, and that leads into Brian Flores, who's been passed up on multiple job opportunities, right? He brought a lawsuit to the NFL because he thinks that he has been just used for a racial quota that fits into the Rooney rule that we talked about last week. Um, and the uh, evidence is behind the Giants hiring Dable. Flores went into the interview thinking that he had an opportunity to win the job, but was probably texted by Bill Belichick about uh, with congratulations saying congrats um, on being hired, you know? And so he was like, Oh, it, it, there's more to it, but he was like, what is going on? I haven't gotten the job. I'm hoping that I interview well. And Bill goes, Oh, wrong, uh, wrong Brian, you know? And uh, I'm sorry that I, you had to hear out from, from me. So he took that as saying like, oh, this is just a sham interview so that the, the Giants meet the Rooney rule. Because again, it's if any head coaching opportunity, there must be two minorities brought into the process. And it, as we listed down um, last week with the head coaching hires, they're all white. And again, a majority of them, I would 90% of the head coaching hires so far have been white. There's the exception of of Lovey Smith, who is African-American. Um, and Mike McDaniels is white, I'm pretty sure, but he's also mixed race. Uh, he's uh, biracial. Um, I do not know what the other race is, but that's not the point. Um, the point is, is that Brian Flores felt uh, discriminated against for hiring, uh, for coaching hiring. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's warranted. The guy had... A really good tenure with the Dolphins, you know, kind of changing the culture there and, and flipping the organization. Um, there's also talks of of being uh, bribed with a uh, hundred thousand dollars for every loss that he that he you know gave the organization, which is kind of bullshit. But I'm not shocked, and I'm not I'm not. Th- I don't know where to go with this. You know, it's, it's not shocking that he they didn't. That this isn't more prevalent in any other uh, team. Which came out and said that the, the, the Browns are also a part of this scandal, but with Hugh Jack- Jackson. And Hugh Jackson a, is a sketchy coach. You know, not saying that he's not qualified, but there he, there's a lot of things that go behind him. He came out and said that, oh, they incentivized me to lose, but then... Recently came out and said that I was never incentivized for losing. I think that he just wants the spotlight on him. 
and is ruining the credibility of Brian Flores. Um, and he, you know, he ruined the Browns. The guy went one in, I think, 31 in his tenure as a head coach. That's horrible. Um, he should probably never coach again. Um, so, you know, we'll see how this progresses and we'll, we'll keep up with everything that's going. Um, Doug Peterson, who used to be the Eagles head coach, uh, was hired to be the Jacksonville head coach. Um, that'll be cool. Should be interesting to see. Pretty shitty, though, again, because Byron Leftwich, who used to be the quarterback of the coach or the quarterback of the team, who also um, happens to be African-American, withdrew his name for consideration because. The GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, a lot of people hate, you know, and so everyone looked for the owner to get rid of the GM, but he didn't. And then the GM was brought back on. And so a lot of people are really uh, unhappy with that. And I think Byron Leftwich is one of those people because he wanted that GM fired before agreeing to take on the role of head coach. And that that helped him see that the organization isn't looking for a winning solution at the moment, which kind of sucks, but whatever. It doesn't, you know, affect me any. Um, in terms of fandom, I don't like the Jaguars, so it doesn't really matter. That's what I'm, what I'm getting at. You know, it's, it's sad to see the NFL not really giving a shit about racism um, or any r- real big issues that center around people that are majority white. Um, obviously, people don't always see the issues behind head coaching hires, but you have to understand that, again, one head coach of color was hired in nine spots so far. Um, which is sad to see because there are b- plenty of of qualified candidates out there, including Raheem Morris and Todd Bowles, uh, even Rich Basakia. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, you know, but another person, those three were qualified enough to get an opportunity. Eric B which I don't um, necessarily see his opening. But he's he should be given a chance, and he's getting an interview with the Saints, which is good for him. You know, I think that he may be able to turn that franchise around. Um, but I just really hope that they change things up and look into this, bring outside help to see the issues that are going on in the NFL. Maybe help with Goodell open his eyes up to what's actually going on, and and. Bring diversity to the NFL. Uh, Let's switch sports and bring in something I have yet to speak about um, and has been brought to my attention that someone would like to hear about this uh, specific topic. And that'd be the the WNBA. Uh, Sorry for that. Um, And the WNBA just got a huge investment into the sport which is gonna help raise awareness and bring views and maybe help restructure the entire uh, organization as a whole because then they have the ability to talk about contracts and and viewership which brings in sponsors which brings in money which is why i think the WNBA isn't as successful as the nba at the moment um the major sponsor that invested in them is uh, is Nike. Nike's going to drop $75 million um, in funds to help uh, boost the WNBA, which will hopefully bring eyes and, and more uh, sponsorships to them so that they can thrive in the same way that the NBA does. Um, and this is this is just a huge issue in general when it comes to women's sports. You can see that in the pay gaps, um, and that's why a lot of women go in into different fields, uh, or they go to overseas, like Candace Parker, who's 
one of the better women in basketball in general, or just a better basketball player. Uh, she struggles with finances, not in the terms that you and I would struggle in, but like she went to China and is getting much more money compared to what she gets paid in the U.S. Um, and that's sad because you know why does that? Why does that have to be a thing? And the only reason that's a thing is because they don't have the viewership that the NBA or any major men's sport does. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, uh, men not thinking women should play sports, people thinking it's boring, not enough exposure. So people do not knowing that there's a WNBA, you know, those are just some of the examples uh, for me. I already find the NBA hard to watch, even though it's my favorite sport. Um, and a lot of the time there's not WNBA on TV to watch. We have, uh, the yes network that shows the Liberty play and they've got Sabrina. Iascu, and, uh, she's, a, she's super, super good to watch and, and, and fun to watch, but those are, you know, far and few between the games. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have too much knowledge of what's going on in the WNBA as much as I do in the NBA. Um, that's also because their seasons are separate as well. Um, another huge thing that happened, I think recently, I think yesterday is that Liz Cambage, who's the next big superstar in the WNBA. She's one of the best players in the league um, is signing with the LA sparks. And that's huge because they, they, you know, it's in Los Angeles big market team uh, for those who don't know big market means like you know los angeles new york just teams that have mass market like appeal to other states in the u.s uh, a low market team for example would be like the utah jazz not no you know not saying that utah is a horrible place but not a lot of professional people want to go to utah because it's not it doesn't have the same appeal that it does to los angeles or new york even though the New York teams are not that great. And uh, like the Knicks, you know, the Knicks have the the mecca of basketball or whatever, and they're supposed to be the super uh, market. But they're not because nobody wants to play for a garbage organization like the Knicks. Um, I'm not trying to, to sway or to get away from the WNBA. I was just trying to, to give an example of, of the markets. So Liz Cambage agreeing to deal with the Sparks is huge because she's one of the women that has been advocating for more money because she doesn't think that she's been compensated enough or that the WNBA sees the value in their players unlike they unlike their coaches because Becky Hammond who I think is a well deserving of the money that she was earned or she has been signed for as a head coach um got a huge pay um, when she signed, but Liz Cambage, on the other hand, feels slighted because she didn't get the money that she thought she deserved. So she's now leaving the Aces uh, to go to the Sparks. The contract hasn't been uh, released yet, so I don't know how much money she's making, but I'm hoping that it's a significant raise in what she got last time because she deserves it because she's one of the best players in the WNBA. In other news of women's sports nwsl just made trinity rodman i think their highest paid player which is cool because you know they're starting to get the recognition that they deserve uh because i think that they should be held to the same standards and and viewed the same as the men's national team the women's national team and this is the this is just the Olymp like you know, Olympics or the World Cup. This isn't the actual NWSL, but they should be compensated much higher than they are compensated now. And that was the fight that Rapino went through, and all of the other players on the team um, fighting for the the money that they thought they deserved, which I think that they they do deserve. They're they're the best national team in in women's soccer, but also one of the better teams in soccer. Period. They won so many World Cups already, gold medals. They destroy teams when they play. 
and it's unfair to see the men's national team who are absolute garbage, who can barely make the World Cup, who also don't even make the World Cup, get paid so much more. Um, it's just unfair. In terms of the NWSL, they're getting a a boost with with you know the new uh, girls coming in, women coming into the sport, uh, especially someone like Trinity Rodman who is the daughter of Dennis Rodman, the worm, um, as that's his nickname. Uh, she's going to be a trendsetter for the sport, and I'm glad that she's being paid. And I hope that they use her as a, as a tool to, to bring more money in and more you know eyes to the sport like they do with the WNBA and the, in the Nike deal and the Liz Cambage moving teams. I'm just hoping that, women start getting the recognition that they deserve because it's, it's, it's recognized more in, in other sports like tennis, because nobody's going to fight you that Serena Williams is not in the goat conversation for tennis in general. Uh, she could easily play, I think Nadal or Federer or, or Djokovic. Does she win? I'm not sure. I don't play tennis, so I couldn't tell you. I'm not a tennis pro, but I think she'd give them a run for their money or easily win. Um, she's an amazing athlete. She won a – I don't remember if it was a Wimbledon or the, the or one of the Opens while she was pregnant. You know, that's just a feat of strength on its own. And th- this is what needs to become more mainstream and more just – regular regular in in terms of conversation that women deserve to just be talked to or talked about as athletes and not a separate gender um because they are they are just as qualified as the men even if they are not viewed the same uh obviously there's people that are going to troll and say the opposite of what i think and people have to understand to get past that and fight them back or, you know, or and educate them. And I'm hoping to do that with this podcast. I'm hoping to have an episode of, of, of just solely women's sports and nothing else. Um, and I think that I have the perfect guest lined up for that. Um, but that's not for a little bit because I need to prepare myself better so that I don't mess anything up and then I can educate people the right way. Um, you know, so to 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 keep going and to transition to a different sport, let's talk about uh, NBA, right? You know, we've talked about the WNBA. Let's move to the the NBA. Um, and there were a couple things that happened actually over the week. Um, Karis LeVert, who plays for the Indiana Pacers, was traded to the Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, for Ricky Rubio. A first round, uh, two first round picks and a second round pick, um, and I think that the the Cavs obviously won the trade, but it's shitty for Ricky Rubio because he was playing so well and he tore his ACL, so he was just literally just a throwaway piece for the Pacers. They're not gonna get anything pretty much except a first round pick in return. I think it was a stupid trade. It helps the Cavaliers who are fighting for a playoff spot um, with Lavert, who's an excellent scorer he's young he's a good defender he you know he, he has all the tangibles to be a, a a a good fit for the team uh let's you know keep talking about trades uh norvell powell was traded from the rap uh the not the raptors <laughs> wait no was it the raptors no it was portland sorry uh the portland trailblazers f- to the uh la clippers for literally nothing the Clippers, you know, traded Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, and Keon Johnson, a second-round pick, to the Pistons. Uh, and then the Clippers got Powell and Robert Covington. Covington's a smaller power forward, but he's a great defender. can shoot the three. Uh, Powell's an amazing three-point shooter. He's young. He's going to be a pivotal spot for the Clippers with them losing Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's just, it's weird 
to me with the contract situations because these guys sign big money deals with like, you know, teams that are not going to make the playoffs or whatever. They're just getting their money, which is fine. I think that that's something they should do. It's just funny when they get traded to a contender and that the team instantly gets better, but they don't pay for the contract. The contract goes toward to the team that originally has the rights to that player. Um, there's a lot of trade rumors coming out with Harden and Ben Simmons, but the Nets came out and said that they're absolutely not going to trade James Harden to the Sixers for Ben Simmons, which I would think would be the stupidest trade in the world. One, because Ben Simmons has yet to prove himself in the NBA. He has no jump shot. They have Kyrie Irving, so they don't need him dribbling the ball. Kevin Durant coming back can also handle the ball. So what does Ben Simmons bring to the Nets? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You know, if he doesn't want to play basketball, that's on him, dude. Like, you know, good for you to get your mental health straight and, you know, trying to get your money or whatever. But he doesn't bring anything to the league or not the league, but the, the team. Um, so I don't understand why those are even rumors or why they would even consider even trading him for that. You know, I would, I would have to trade Harden to somebody else for a lot, lot more than just Ben Simmons. Um, yeah, that, that, that's just, ooh, that just bugs me. It bugs the shit out of me to think that Ben Simmons is even in the league when people in the G League try so much harder to, to even get a spot or even be looked at for the opportunity to be in the NBA. And you got a guy like him who just doesn't want to play for the team because his coach said that he, that they are better without him than with him, you know? Um, sure. It's a shitty thing to say, but if you're a professional athlete and you, the team is not doing well with you, and the coach is just being honest with you. Why don't you take that motivation or as motivation and work on the game that you are supposedly in love with and, and prove to everyone else that you're better? That's what bugs me the most. You know, I'm only so passionate about this because I love the game of of basketball. And to see someone who says that they love it so much, not really give a shit about it and get so upset because their head coach told them that they are better without them and they don't use it to like help the team. It just bothers the shit out of me. Um, And I know it's not how a lot of other people look at it, but that's just how I look at it because that's uh, me coming from a sports background. Um, Let's just, you know, continue with the trade uh, rumors though. Um, And one that hits home is the, uh, I think the Timberwolves are looking into trading for Marcus Smart. They're not the only team. Atlanta Hawks are also looking um, for Smart because he's a a dual threat in terms of offense and defense. Uh, he's got a spotty shot, which means you know he's not the greatest shooter, but his defense his defense is is you know top five for sure in the the league. And he's a shooting guard who can handle the ball, but can also guard the best player on your team. And a lot of teams need that for their final push into the the playoffs. And the Celtics have a plethora of guards. Uh, from Josh Richardson, Langford, uh, Aaron Neesmith, but also this opens it up for Peyton Pritchard, who I think is, you know, a diamond in a rough. He just needs time to be able to play. Same with with Langford, um, and the 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 fact that we have Richardson, who's a defender, is great, and this gives the opportunity for the Celtics to get rid of or trade someone like Marcus Smart. And I'd obviously, if you were to trade him to someone hoping it would be to the West uh, as the Celtics are in the East, you get trade, you get, you know, you get capital for them, like trade draft picks, but also you, you bring someone valuable to the team in terms of like a three point shooter or a big man or something that that the the Celtics need um, to take pressure off of Tatum and, and Brown. The Celtics have a little bit of turmoil with, with their two young stars. It's hard for them to coexist, what seems like. Uh, in the past, it seems to be better now, but the, that was a big, big thing. And so their second best player in Jalen Brown may be dealt either at the trade deadline or in the offseason to open up 
for Jason Tatum to be the superstar in his own, which we'll see how that works out. I like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together. Um, I think that they need a big man, and I would love for them to trade for John Collins, who's on the Atlanta Hawks. Even if that means we give up Marcus Smart and like a first-round pick and we get Collins back in return, I think that would be great. In my opinion, I'm not the, the GM of the team, um, but I think with how I would manage a team, that's what I would do. Get a big man who could come off and start and be an impact for you, and you already have the necessary replacements on the team, so you're not getting rid of anything else but the player that was already named. Um, a couple other people that have been in trade talks that I don't really think most people would know. A big name would be uh, CJ McCollum, who is uh, Damian Lillard's right-hand man in terms of the team, so he would be their second-best player. He's actually being in trade talks with the Knicks. Um, the Knicks are a garbage, garbage or- organization. They treat their fans like shit. They treat their legends like shit. They treat their players like shit. Their coaches, everything. Their owner doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to the NBA, even though he thinks he does. But what seemed to be a turnaround in the the organization with their playoff seeding last year being in in fourth, uh, everyone thought that oh the Knicks are back, we're gonna win a you know a championship, has now led them to be a lower seeded team in the NBA in general. Um, they traded a first round pick, also another like a like a older pick that they they used, who was a first round pick to the Hawks for Cam Reddish, and Cam Reddish being a first round pick for the Hawks, was you know was taught to or thought to be the like the spark plug coming off the bench or or what the Knicks needed to turn around their season. Their head coach has absolutely no intentions of playing him at the moment. Instead, he's playing guys that don't have a future in the leagues, who don't contribute to the team, who aren't assets uh, for the future or the ability that they have the ability to like turn around a season. So, you know, why would they risk trading CJ McCollum? Who's a, he's not a superstar in the league, but who's a really good player and could maybe break out and uh, turn into a superstar given the right team. I don't think it would be the Knicks, to be honest. I think that CJ would would thrive almost anywhere else. Um, I really want to talk about contract situations. I think that would be huge today, um, given all of the later signings and trades for the NBA and and WNBA and soccer and and everything else. Right? Um, every league has a different way of having free agency soccer is is quite different you have to like bid for players and give them a certain amount of money for them to agree on terms to sign with you um the nhl is also is a little different but the mlb the nba uh the nfl all have um almost similar free agent deals right um so let me look into that a little bit or talk about it a little bit. And off the bat, I think one of the worst contracts I've ever seen in my lifetime was when the Washington football team signed Albert Hainsworth for $100 million. Um, the guy was, a you know, huge monster uh, D tackle who stopped the, a lot of rushing a rusher is from from gaining any yards. He's he took up a lot of space in the middle of the of the defense defensive line, um, and he anchored that to for a hundred million dollar deal to Washington. And it has to be one of the worst, if not the worst, NFL free agent signings because the guy went from being in shape to being a monster to being someone who couldn't even run uh, conditioning wind sprints who gave up visibly on the field, um, did never really play because he was always injured, uh, which he, I don't think was. I'm not going to get into like how much of an injury he had. Uh, it's not my place to say. 
you know, given my track record. <laughs> but he's got to be one of the worst. The dude was was so bad for Washington, and his career pretty much ended there. And that seems to be a huge, huge place where superstars go to for their careers to die. Donovan McNabb, Deion Sanders, uh, Hainsworth, uh, you know, countless people. I'm, I, we can talk about the Washington organization at, at some other time because I think I have an episode for that being the wor- like what are the worst franchises in sports history? Them, the Buffalo Sabres, you know, it's just the Orioles. There's just so many, so many bad organizations out there. The Mets, the Knicks, whatever. Um, another one, uh, uh, I guess a cult hero in terms of sports is Bobby Bonilla. The the Mets signed a guy named Bobby Bonilla a long time ago to a contract. Um, you know, that wasn't a lot. I think it was a couple million dollars, but the team didn't want him on the, on the roster anymore. So they gave him an opportunity to take, uh, a lump sum or, uh, a small annual payout for for a couple years just to like take off the money of the off the books, right? So the guy gets paid every year one million dollars until twenty thirty five. The dude hasn't played for the Mets since nineteen ninety nine, right? You know, and he retired in two thousand three, but is getting paid a million dollars. Until 2035, all because the Mets wanted his free agent contract to to disappear from the from the books, or or whatever. So he is getting it's, it's called Bobby Badia Day, and if you want to get a little bit more into it, you can look it up. And it's it's a crazy crazy story, but he's got to be one of the worst signings because it's screwing. I guess it doesn't really screw them anymore, but it's it's funny to see that he is on the payroll still. Uh, Another pretty bad uh, free agent signing, and we'll go to the NBA, is is Allen Houston. Allen Houston was touted as one of the better, you know, young stars coming into the league. But a long time ago, you know, the the 1990s or whatever, he actually had a lot of knee problems. And that, that seems to be a trend back then. Um. With just more than, you know, with Grant Hill, Chris Weber, and a bunch of other guys. They had a lot of knee problems that, that led to their careers ending a little shorter than it needed to be. Um, but Alan Houston, he's got a big, big uh, history behind his contract. So he signed a $100 million contract uh, worth six years right after he had some playoff success with the Knicks. But unfortunately, his you know his sideline with the knee injuries and stuff, his career kind of took a, a dip for the worst. You know, after his career kind of dipped after the playoffs, it, you know, he was marred with injuries. So that the the NBA gave them an opportunity to just buy out his contract, and it turned into the Allen Houston rule, um, which it gave it gave the team it gives teams the chance to release a player without the contract counting against the luxury tax. Um, and for those that don't know what the luxury tax is, it's a tax in a, uh, or a surcharge levy only on a certain product or services that are deemed non-essential or accessible uh, only to the super wealthy. Um, and that's just the general definition of the luxury tax. But it, 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 it'll put a penalty against an NBA team, which will make them have to pay more money, which no owner really wants to do, right? So he, he, that's why he's looked at such a bad uh, contract. Mo, uh, Josh Hamilton for the Texas Rangers, uh, which, it, it, you know, he's got a really sad story. The guy was a, an alcoholic uh, previous to his time with the Rangers. Um, with his time in the Rangers, was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Um, you know, all-star, home run hitter. Like it was, he was it was great. Um, was was traded to L.A. after what was he traded? Oh, he signed a he signed a deal with uh with L.A. after his his tenure with the Rangers. Um, 
And it kind of ruined his career because he then got back on alcohol and started taking, you know, prescription drugs. And, it, you know, it was just really, really bad for the team. He ended up signing a five-year, $125 million deal. And he never played. He he was traded back to the, the Rangers after three seasons. And then he was sent to the minors. And then after that, it really, you know, took a turn for the worse. And I, he's also got some pretty dark stories um including someone him killing someone but not intentionally uh and i think that's what ruined his career was ever since that moment that that happened it kind of just screwed him up uh mentally um if we will go into some more bad contracts you've got jamarcus russell who's i don't think would be considered a, a free agent signing he's just one of the worst draft busts in NFL history uh he he got drafted by the Raiders number 1 overall to, uh, he played quarterback for them he big dude cannon for an arm but uh lazy and and lacked uh the initiative to study film and stuff it was funny if you if you look back at some of his stories i guess a couple GMs would give him tape and be like yo can you study this for me and then come back tomorrow and tell me what you saw on the film and one time when they asked him, hey, what did you see on the film? He he tried to, like, you know, lie and break down the the information. But they were like, Jamarcus, we didn't put anything on the tape. You know, and they found out that he was lying, which is pretty bad. <laughs> but, he, you know, as a rookie, he, he held out to get way more money because back then. And this is what kind of set the trend for the NFL having a hard cap on uh, rookie contracts was Jamarcus Russell held out for so much more money. Then was was, you know, he I think he set a record, but it was more money than he ever needed as a rookie because then it puts a lot of trust on him. And it also doesn't give him an incentive because it's all guaranteed. It's mostly guaranteed. Oh, man, this is what kind of like led the NFL to changing it to just a, a, a specific amount for the position that you're drafted in. So he held out long enough to get a six year, 61 million dollar contract, including 32 million dollar guaranteed. Right which was, I think, at the time, the highest rookie contract ever, which it's not anymore, but but still, it, it's it's insane. It never worked out. He played a couple games a year. He was horrible. It, it, he threw so many interceptions. You know, his rookie year, he played only four games. One started. He threw three touchdowns to four interceptions. Uh, his, his QBR, which is his quarterback rating, was 19. <laughs> And and if you want me to look compared to a normal, you know, level quarterback, which I guess would be like a Jay Cutler, he's also a terrible uh, contract. But I'm not going to get into that. Uh, he's just a normal, decent quarterback in the NFL. His Q- QBR in 2007 was 64, right? And that's just a mid-tier quarterback at that time. He was a second-year pro, third year. We got Jamarcus played in 15 games. He started all 15 of those. He went 5-10. and 10. He threw for 2,423 yards, 13 touchdowns to 8 interceptions. And his QBR went up to 29%. You know, drastic change in the, in the touchdowns to interception ratio. But if we look into his 2009 year, or 2009 year, he played 12 games. Started at nine of those, went two and seven, threw for 1,200 yards, three touchdowns, 11 interceptions with a QBR of 20.7. So it dropped 9%, right? And if we look at Jay Cutler's year, uh, this is first year with Chicago. He went seven and nine, threw for 3,600 yards, 27 touchdowns, 26 interceptions, but his QBR was 49.9. So Jamarcus is... In terms of stats, is pretty well uh well away from from just a normal quarterback in the league. So that's why his contract has looked very poorly. Because after that 2009 season, he his he was out of the NFL. Um, you know, there's a lot of things when it goes into that. You think that you deserve the money because of all of the things that you did in your life to get to the point that you're at. But this is what you know, ties in the Ben Simmons thing is because I'm pretty sure Ben Simmons signed an extension. 
and got a bunch of money. Yeah, he signed a five-year, $177 million contract. And then directly after signing that extension, has yet to play in the NBA. After, I'm pretty sure after that. Which is ridiculous to me because he's upset and not putting the time and effort into uh, his craft. And that's what screws a lot of other players that are, are hardworking and want max money. And this is why almost all franchises are struggled to pay their best players because they don't want contract years turning into like big money and not getting in what they pay for in return. Uh, another big contract, I don't even have to look this up in terms of that is Namdi Asimwa. Uh, he played as an all pro for the, the Los Angeles or like the Los Angeles Raiders. Uh, <laughs> For the Oakland Raiders, um, in his prime, the dude was money. You know, crazy corner, uh, great defender. In terms of the, of now, would be like the Richard Sherman of of the past. Uh, he took his contract year, his his career year, and and flipped it into a huge contract for the Eagles, and it was absolutely horrible for the team. Which in and for me that's great because the Eagles sucked, and the Cowboys you know were better, and I didn't have to worry about them playing the Eagles because I knew that that they were a terrible team. But this is another prime example of someone who you 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 saw him be one of the best corners in the league, so you decide to pay him you know big corner money. But you don't get what you pay for in return because you brought a guy who was a, I would say, like a zone coverage. A zone coverage is like you don't, you have specific spots that you're, you, you, is your coverage, right? So in your zone, if somewhere in there, you are going to cover them. Like you would defend them in that certain area. Man coverage, which is the hardest coverage in the NFL, is when you are singled upon just one person man to man and you have to defend that person and i think that's what the eagles ran when he, he was brought onto the team and it literally flipped his career uh 180 because he ended up being one of the worst corners in the nfl in terms of 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 what you know of what he's getting paid uh i guess he signed a 5 year 60 million dollar contract and at the time it was a really really high contract um, but he only ended up playing two seasons with the Eagles. And in those two seasons, it might, it might have been the two, it ended his career. I mean, it literally ended his career. He, he never ended up, you know, he played for the Niners one year, but it didn't turn out to be anything that he thought it would be. You know, when he played for the Eagles, he was so bad in in coverage that if you were to throw to him, your passer rating would have would have been 120. Um, opposed to when he was the number one corner when he played for the Los Angeles or the Oakland Raiders in 2008, he was one of the highest graded corners ever in history in that year, his final year in Oakland. Uh, but when he went to Philadelphia, it just instantly declined. Sure, he he got a little bit more. Uh, past deflections and a, and a couple interceptions, but from in terms of uh his passer rating, it, you know it was damn near zero to to one hundred and twenty. That's proof of one of the worst contracts because you 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 took a guy out of a of a scheme and brought him into yours, and it obviously didn't fit, and so you tried to force it knowing that it wouldn't work you know that's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole it just it was it was horrible uh a contract in baseball that i think is one of the worst is when the the, the boston red sox signed uh pablo sandoval from the giants I think it was it's like five years i think like you know 75 million dollars it wasn't a it, it sounds like a lot of money but basketball or baseball players get a lot a lot of money when it comes to to signing so 
he was one of the absolute worst third basemen in the league when he signed for the team. He was uh, out of shape. His his swing went away. He wasn't very good defensively. And he was just a liability every time he was on the court. So, you know, they they look at at stuff like that and and he in terms was one of the is just one of the worst and not a lot of people know about it because not a lot of people talk about it um excuse me uh, another one that pops up to, to it seems to be is uh, Alex Rodriguez talking about um watching or uh, Boston you know the the Yankees being their their number one rivalry uh the Yankees in 2008 signed him to a 10-year, $275 million extension. A-Rod ended up playing up until 2017, uh, but he was old, you know, and his swing wasn't that great. He still – I don't think that this is that bad of a contract in terms of what he did for the Yankees. You know, the guy got – a of the year after he signed this big deal. So I think people look at it as a, a dip in, in investment. He had a 269 average, which is which isn't horrible. Uh he batted in 583 RBIs and 178 home runs. It that doesn't really seem to me that it's that big of a of a a drop off. And I think that's why he's not looked as one of the worst contracts in sports history. He's he's it's pretty bad given that he didn't live up to the hype of the contract, but I couldn't tell you you couldn't say that it, it was a huge deal. Um and I you know there's just so many other bad things, bad signings out there for every sport. And I may have rambled too long about this and, and gotten off topic, but money is very, very uh, big when it comes to any sport. And I think this kind of ties into the whole WNBA and WSL kind of a thing that I spoke about earlier. Even the head coaching hirings to the trades, all of that stuff is that players deserve the money that they think that they're making. But what leads to issues is when a franchise takes that chance and they don't get back the money that they think that they deserve in terms of like investment, right? If you were to invest in something and it was the worst investment of your life, you'd be pretty pissed off. I think a lot of these 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 free agent signings are looked at in terms of investments, and a lot of them are bad investments, um, because in every sport is is somewhat just a business, um, and that's sad for a lot of people because you you love watching the game, but a lot of the game and love of the game is taking is taken out when it comes to money. Uh, you you can't afford to resign your favorite player or people have to be traded or cut because you can't afford to keep them on the team because the owner doesn't want to pay a penalty for making the decisions that he made in the past that, you know, go poorly in the present. And it's happening now with a lot of other teams, especially in the NFL. You know, the Saints have a $74 million in cap hell. So they're $74 million over the cap limit, which is going to be hard for them to to get out of. But I'm sure they're going to cut an undeserving player of being cut just so that they can get money back to their, their cap space to sign someone else or or trade some you know, people that don't want to be traded and ruin a franchise and, and hurt their fans because they need to save money or they need to recoup, which I can't say I get, but I understand. Uh, and Dallas is in the situation now where I think that they're going to get rid of Amari Cooper and, and tank Demarcus Lawrence. And that just hurts my heart because Dak Prescott is so much better with Amari Cooper on the field than when he's not. 
and the defense is much better with Demarcus Lawrence on the field when he's not. It bothers the shit out of me because those players deserve the money that they got. Um, and I think that they make enough revenue outside of of the sport to be able to increase the salary cap, the salary cap, or even just allow the owners to be able to pay the money that they think or that they have. Jerry Jones is one of the most wealthy people in the world, I'm sure. Why not give him the ability to just to pay for players? Obviously, that means that he'd pay for anybody so that he wins Super Bowls, but maybe make it to where they can spend a certain amount more of money to keep homegrown players or whatever. I don't I don't know the solution, but it just it, it really honestly hurt like it bothers me and it hurts to watch happen. Because you see it a lot, you know, but then you also see like young kids get big money deals and then instantly fall apart and fall off and are are, are labeled as bums or busts or or whatever and and ruins their careers and you know, they go into depression or they have to find something else to do because no one else will give them a chance. I understand that this this uh, segment or whatever seems to be a little discombobulated and a little off topic and kind of of everywhere. But when we talk about certain things, it leads to another. And it's just it's hard to be cohesive when it when it comes to this, because there's so many issues going on in sports um and money's not the only issue you know and if we look into what i said earlier with the the race uh issue that we were having in the nfl with the rooney rule and stuff uh it's 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 prevalent in all sports where do you see you know black managers in baseball besides dusty and Ron Washington, and nobody's giving Ron Washington a chance, and I think he deserves to be a manager anywhere. He he he's capable of doing it, or or a person of of a like a Hispanic or or Spanish you know descent or whatever. The Washington or uh, here's a prime example, not Washington. Gosh. The Chicago White Sox are a team built with a lot of Hispanic or, or Spanish players on their team. And they had a Spanish manager, um, but they fired him after, you know, not being successful in a playoff series and brought in Tony La Russa, who's an old decrepit man to, to manage a, a team of, of players that he had cannot speak the same language with. Sure, it kind of sort of worked out in terms of him making the playoffs, but uh, did they win a playoff series? I'm pretty sure they didn't. And did he have a lot of controversy? Yes, he did. He ruined Yermi Mercedes' career, I think, with what he did, not sticking up for him after hitting a home run off of a positional player. Um, that's a topic for another day. Uh, but Larusa being there, uh, Mike Matheny coaching the Royals after go, you know, not doing well with the Cardinals. There's just a lot of like uh, two Cardinals managers. <laughs> There's just a lot of things that go on in in, in sports and the NBA. You know, the whole Warriors thing. Steve Kerr being hired over Mark Jackson, and then Mark Jackson getting no semblance of of recognition for what he did with the Warriors before they won a championship because Steph and Clay were there and he built that foundation for the Warriors to succeed, but he gets absolutely no credit for it. You know, there are, are, are countless people Mark, you know, that are still available to be head coaches in the NBA. Mark Jackson as uh, a prime example Especially if the Kings are going to give an opportunity to a guy like Luke Walton to be the head coach, when he is a hair a, a, a horrible head coach, you know, I mean, the dude has a losing record, and he was only given an opportunity because it was his dad, and he had a, a good run with the Warriors for like twenty games, but that's prime time Golden State. Uh, so I don't understand how someone like Mark Jackson, David Fisdale don't have opportunities in the league 
but he does. It's 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 hard, you know, to see that uh in the NBA. But, you know, for his overall record as Luke Walton was 181 and 20 or 244. Dude had a below 500 win percentage. I don't know. It just frustrates me. And there's a lot of issues in sports today. And I think that's kind of another top, like main goal of today's episode is just seeing all the issues of, of racism and, and stuff in sports and just issues in general, money, people not looking into their investments as investments, but like failures and not like trying to solve the issue itself. And I understand that this podcast has been a little all over the place today. And I apologize if that's, you know, something that isn't what you wanted coming into today's episode. And it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of hard. It's just a lot to talk about these kind of things and then find cohesion in, in all of it. But uh, I think that these are just things that need to be talked about. And I know I, I went from talking about the WNBA issues and to the W or NWSL to, to horrible sports contracts. But like, if you look into all of these things, it's, it's kind of all one thing, right? It's all issues that have to deal with sports. And I think if I get this episode out of the way now, we talk about what's going on. Hopefully you get a better understanding of, of what we talk about in the future. Um, in terms of if a signing I don't agree with happens and it turns out to be a big, big deal. And like, Oh, their career has ended shortly because the team gave up on them because you know, their investment wasn't worth it or whatever is what I'm, is what I'm getting at. Um, I really hope Brian Flores gets an opportunity and, and his lawsuit doesn't end his coaching career. It would suck for that to happen because just all because he spoke up and, and said the things that he says just because he didn't want it to, you know, continue. And he's 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 trying to follow in the footsteps of 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 Colin Kaepernick in terms of 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 growing his awareness to racially bias head coaching hires, you know. At the, at the end of this, you know, I just hope that Flores gets another opportunity and he doesn't have to sacrifice all of the hard work that he's had just because he spoke up against racism. Uh, and, you know, there's all of this is in every sport. It seems like, you know. Which I hope it all changes. That's that's the goal of, of what they're fighting for. In terms of head coaching or or Colin Kaepernick being a quarterback, you know, you we ha- we as a whole need to just support them in whatever fight that they want because they're being told just to shut up and do sports, which is not fair and it shouldn't be a thing. Um, today's episode is going to be a little shorter than the past episodes uh, because I think that I'm going to. F- have another episode out before the Super Bowl, uh, hopefully Saturday, to give predictions on that and talk about the latest news as well. But also maybe you know focus on on the Super Bowls in general and maybe talk about what happened in the in the in the more recent Super Bowls and some of the past Super Bowls and and it help people understand like all the things that went down with that. Um, I really hope that. I can continue to to work on on this podcast and, and continue to make it better. I understand that today's is a little, you know, all over the place, but it I think helps hopefully will help you understand what's going on in terms of, of racism and money and viewerships and all of the, the things that need to change in sports. Um I hope that you can continue to support me and and reach out and tell me what I need to do and what episodes you guys want me to talk about. 
uh, and hopefully this next episode that I release, which will be all about the Super Bowl, will uh, help you uh, be excited for what's next. Uh, today's fun facts to change something up uh, are – I'm going to do a couple today in the world of football – in 2021, which was last year, the Bucks beat the Chiefs 31 to nine in the Super Bowl, which was the first time a home team was actually in their home stadium and won the Super Bowl. In 2016, the Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers 24 to 10, and Von Miller, who happens to I think be the last defensive player to win the Super Bowl MVP. Happened today. And the last one will be, you know, in the same Super Bowl last year, Sarah Thomas becomes the first woman to ever have refed a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, uh, Florida, which not just Florida in general, but, but the first woman to ever ref a Super Bowl, which is cool, you know, and it's 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 changing. And, and that's the good thing. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. You know, I hope that you're able to get to the end of this episode. Um, and if you have gotten to the end of the episode, again, I'm really sorry that it's kind of all over the place. You know, when you get passionate about something, you kind of tend to ramble. And that's what seems to have happened today. Uh, you know, um, hopefully Saturday's episode is going to be better. I appreciate you guys listening. And uh, it's been fun. My name is Chris, and I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, shout out to... To everybody, again, who supports me. Um, and uh, see you next time. Thanks. Peace. Mm-hmm.